Dr. Emily Mangan was raised on a small farm outside of Eugene, Oregon. She developed a love for animals at an early age and was able to spend time in veterinary clinics as a young teenager. She was accepted into an honors program at Oregon State University that prepared her for entry into the College of Veterinary Medicine there, where she earned her veterinary degree. While a student, she got exposure to acupuncture through a faculty member who treated patients in the university clinic. After graduation, Emily completed a one-year internship in equine medicine and surgery at the Marianne DuPont Scott Equine Medical Center before doing an internship in integrated medicine at the University of Florida College of Veterinary Medicine. During her internship, she was able to complete a number of certifications at Chi University, including acupuncture, herbal medicine, tweena, food therapy, and rehabilitation. After completing her internship, Emily moved back to Oregon and established a mobile practice, Wisewood Integrated Medicine. Her time is spent between growing her practice, lecturing, and scientific writing. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Emily Mangan as we discuss her childhood, university experience, internships, clinical practice, teaching, and her upcoming webinar for CIVT. Dr. Mangan, thanks for taking the time to talk today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. So where did you grow up? I actually grew up outside of Eugene um, in Oregon in a little town called Pleasant Hill. And so we've got cows for neighbors and uh, lots of open sky for star viewing. So it's been pretty pleasant out here to grow up. Um, did you have a lot of pets then growing up? Oh, yeah, a lot of pets. And we lived on a, a hobby farm. So I grew up on a, a llama farm, which has its own interesting implications. I was known as the llama kid growing up. So that was uh, interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was wonderful being able to have so much exposure to animals at a young age. And I think that's why I like veterinary medicine so much. I don't know. It was neat. How, um, like how many llamas did you have? What, what sort of numbers did you have? At the most, we had like seven. So it was truly just a hobby farm. Um, you know, and I learned how to spin and weave and do all the fiber work. And I did 4-H with them. Um, but yeah, we, we bred a little bit and we bought in when the llamas were the most expensive thing and this alluring, incredible animal. And then, of course, the market fell out from under them. So then we just had pets um, and we have only one llama left and she's 27. Very geriatric. <laughs> but yeah, wow. an interesting adventure. You know. Was it difficult? Was it difficult at that time to have a um, to find a veterinarian to work on them? Very difficult. There are very few people that knew anything about llamas, let alone anything about them with pathology. Um, I remember we lost a Korea once because um, we were also learning and, you know, we had a, a mentor and all of that. But even still, we lost her at two days old and, you know, calling the local veterinarian. They had no idea what to do and never checked out our, you know, the, the dam. And looking back as a veterinarian now, it's like, oh, well, of course you have to, like, why? Why didn't you pass the placenta? Why was there issues in the birth? But they didn't know anything at that time, really. It was so new to the U.S. But we've learned a lot since then, thankfully, about camellid medicine. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Koreas yeah. are very fragile, too. Oh, so. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. They're little butterflies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so when did you decide you wanted to go to vet school? I always wanted to be a vet. I was that classic kid, I guess, that just knew what I wanted to do. That was the goal. Of course, I had made that determination before I truly understood my path, right? So I was going to be a vet and I started interning when I was 10 years old at the local vet clinic. And, you know, it wasn't until much later that I developed a deeper passion for what veterinary medicine is to me versus just, you know, the desire to help animals, which is that foundational seed. Definitely matured since the age of six. <laughs> yeah. The, the <laughs> clinic you started in 
when you were a kid? Was it just a was it a mixed animal clinic or what what sort? Yeah, yeah, it was a tiny mixed animal clinic in Pleasant Hill, Oregon. They're working right between a post office and a dog groomer in a tiny little strip. Um, and it was uh, so amazing that they would even offer to like let me come and, and see practice with them, considering I was so young. Um, I got to witness a cat leg being amputated, and it was just the coolest thing for me at that time. And they let me give a vaccine, and that was that sealed it for me. <laughs> it was the best experience. Were you able to go um, on farm calls too? Yeah, we did a little bit of that at that age. I, I did more of the farm calls when I was about 14, 15 with a different veterinarian who was mixed large animal only. Um, and I worked there for about 10 years with him before vet school. And that was incredible experience too, to, to really see what that life is like as a mixed large animal practitioner, um, where you have to work by the seat of your pants and figure it all out, you know. A solo doctor? Yeah, he's a solo practitioner. He didn't even have a technician other than me. Um, so we got to do a lot. Um, everything was us. Inclu- including the emergencies. Including the emergencies, C-sections in the middle of the night. Um, all, it just was so cool, you know, and I was so interested that he would call me in the middle of the night and ask if I wanted to go. And, you know, if I didn't want to go, I didn't have to, you know, but uh, he would let me go out. And it was amazing to have that experience of what it really means to be in the trenches doing this type of work um, and all of the rewards that come that come with being a veterinarian too, you know, I yeah. Felt well is he, prepared. Yeah. Is he still in practice? He is still in practice. He recently sold his practice and moved to California. Um, turns out that being a solo mixed animal, large animal vet for 20 years can take a toll on the body. So he's doing small animal practice now and he's loving it. And he's got a beautiful family and really, really awesome and proud of what he's been able to do. Um, but I do miss him up here, you know, cause he was my mentor for many years, but oh, it's sure. all good. Yeah. 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 So, um, to Oregon state for pre-vet. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon state for pre-vet. I was really lucky to be accepted into the pre-veterinary honors program that they had. It's called the pre-veterinary scholars. And it was a partnership between the honors program at Oregon state, um, and the veterinary school. So it was kind of functioning as a fast track program, but students had additional opportunities. We could shadow in the vet hospital, participate in veterinary research, that sort of thing. Um, so it was a great program and I'm really glad I was able to be a part of that. Um, and that was, that was my three years of undergrad was solely <laughs> that program and researching vet stuff. And then, uh, I went to vet school also at Oregon state. So it was nice to stay in the same little town. And you did some research with alpacas as an undergrad. Yeah, I did a lot of research with llamas and alpacas. Um, as an undergrad, I was working in a lab with Dr. Christopher Sebra, who's still at Oregon state. Um, and he was involved in a lot of very early um, quantification and research with camelids. So it was interesting to link up with him based on my prior experience as a kid and not having anybody know about llamas in my area and then coming here to, you know, the llama guru. <laughs> and uh, it was amazing to, to do that. We worked on um, all sorts of insulin regulation, diabetes and antibiotics and antibodies and a lot of really great foundational medicine and applications and research. Research is great for students, put that out there. <laughs> it's a Good opportunity. That must have been uh, that must have been a lot of fun and really good experience, like you said. Yeah. Oh, so much fun, such good experience, and a lot of it was clinically based. So we got to just do serial blood draws on little animals after we fed them, like camel milk versus llama milk versus milk replacer, to watch insulin responses, and uh, it was great as a as a student to just bottle feed an animal and then in practice taking blood. You know, obviously through a catheter, but it was it was a great time. Yeah. <laughs> 
what was it like to to be accepted into that program? Did you, was there it must have been a relief to kind of know that you were being fast tracked. Was there extra pressure on you to perform in your studies, or did was it was it more of a relief than a burden? That's an interesting way. I haven't actually thought about it that way before. It was it was a relief and it, uh, just exhilarating. I was never concerned the whole way through. I was a high achieving student because I wanted to be, and I wanted all that knowledge. It was never a concern for me to have additional burdens or pressure representing the program. I just anything they offered me, I just voraciously took. I was so excited to have the opportunities available to me. Um, yeah, I remember getting my acceptance email and just being completely over the moon that that was something that had really happened for me. And obviously, you still have to go through the veterinary school application and all of that. But you know, the program allows you to gain research experience and faculty, you know, one-on-one mentorship time and, you know, hospital shadowing hours. So by the time it comes to vet school applications, you're a very good candidate. How many other people were in the program? When I was accepted, there was one other. <laughs> so we were, <clears throat> we were the, the inaugural year. Um, and now I think the program has about 26 over the four years of undergrad. So they accept um, something about seven a year, I think. So it's great. would would uh, most of them, are, do they commit to going to Oregon State or can they go, would they be able to, uh, to apply to any school or do, and do they? Yeah, they can apply to any school. Um, like I said, the program is mostly just providing opportunities to prepare yourself for application to be a good candidate. Um, and so the, that experience is transferable anywhere. Um, we had many students went to Cornell or Texas A&M. It's wherever their heart desires, wherever they feel called, you know, the program supports them going there. Um, I'd still say probably 90% of the students, that's just a guesstimate, go to Oregon State because, um, you know, it was my in-state school and it would be very silly for me financially to go to any other school. And I knew the people. I had mentors there. It was a very um, safe and easy choice to just continue my education at a place I already felt like home. Yeah, really familiar, I'm sure. Yeah. So how many were in your class, in your vet school class? 56. When I went to vet school, we were the smallest vet school in the nation. Um, they've grown since then. But yeah, Oregon State only had 56 students. Um, and it was incredible. You know everybody so well by the end of four years. You know, you'd seen everybody cry. You'd probably, probably at some point or another, seen someone naked. You know, if you got crypto diarrhea on you, there's, you know, it's, it's a very tight-knit class, you know. And so uh, it's, it was incredible for, to have that support of such a tight-knit cohort. Um, I'm very thankful for that. I'm still really close friends with a lot of my classmates. Did you have any exposure to to holistic medicine while you're in school? I did. Yeah, we had a faculty member, Dr. Jacob Meekham, and he did uh, TCVM acupuncture, um, mostly on equine, but he would come into the hospital for ICU cases and small animal cases. Um, And I was so excited to work with him and see how how he did things. And the first day I was on the rotation with him, we got called to ICU. There was a dog that was um, on a ventilator. He had a cervical lesion and was unable to respirate on his own. And they were at their wit's end. The dog had been in ICU for, I think, a week by then. And owners were running out of money. It was just that that classic Hail Mary situation where people start thinking about applying TCVM or, or reaching for things that um, they maybe wouldn't reach for otherwise. And so we went in and treated this dog 15 minutes of the needles being in and the dog started bucking the ventilator and was able to breathe on its own. (laughs) So it was amazing that just 15 minutes after acupuncture stimulation, 
and the dog was ready as opposed to, you know, had already been on the vent for you know a week when we got there. So oh, that was so powerful cool. to see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is, this is real. And this is definitely what I want to do. Was it, what was your sense as a student, at least of uh, acceptance of, of acupuncture throughout the, f- the school, you know, with the different faculty members? Yeah, it really depended on the faculty, depended where they were trained. Um, and, you know, we had some faculty that were ambivalent and some that were uh, very positive, but had no experience with it. And quite a few that were um, not necessarily supportive of this, uh, you know, they would say unsupportive, even though there's plenty of scientific evidence. But um, so it was kind of a mixed bag, depending who you were on with as a student, whether they'd be willing to um, allow acupuncture as part of their treatment protocol or not. Um, so it was, it was interesting to have exposure to those different mindsets as a student um, and sort of figure out how to communicate about TCVM to people that maybe aren't um, already on board. Yeah. Um, was there an elective offered for you as a student or just the rotation was available? There was just the rotation and the rotation was actually part of our rural veterinary practice. So Dr. Meekham was mostly our, our ambulatory equine doc. And so part of that is he just did acupuncture, but we didn't have a holistic rotation. Um, and so that was entirely up to students to organize for themselves if they wanted to. We did have a rehabilitation rotation. So um, Oregon State offers you know, underwater treadmill and therapeutic laser and that sort of stuff, but none, no TCVM modalities are currently incorporated in that program. Gotcha. What uh, yeah. what program did Dr. Meekham uh, train through? He also trained at, at Chi University, which is where I ended up training. So it's interesting to follow in his footsteps there. Yeah. 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 Did you know what, did you know what kind of medicine you wanted to practice when you got out of school? I did very much so. And I actually did my acupuncture training when I was in vet school. Um, so I had made that choice very early on that uh, it's something I, I wanted to incorporate into my medicine. And um, it wasn't until I'd been out, I guess, for a year or so from graduation that I realized that it was what gave me the most joy. And it's maybe what I have the strongest gift in being able to give my patients. And I decided to fully give myself over to TCVM um, and just go with the flow. It was like, that's where my life was heading. That's what gives me the most joy and to to make that choice was kind of hard. Not that I was turning my back on um, Western medicine, because obviously, you know, I practice integrative medicine. Every medicine is good at its own, um, you know, pros and cons. But uh, TCVM is what spoke to me. And I knew that I knew that so early on. And it was just chomping at the bit until I could actually go study it. Ah, <laughs> uh, but you did, you did an equine internship first. What was, <laughs> I did. What, what was your thought uh, behind doing that? Yeah, so... You know, I thought I wanted to do equine internal medicine, and then I would use TCVM as a component. And I thought I was going to do research and prove to the world that TCVM was effective for all these internal medicine conditions and equids. Um, and then I went to my equine internship, and I wanted to treat everybody with acupuncture. And I realized that that was what my calling was, was every case I saw, I would think about it from a TCVM standpoint first. I'm like, ooh, you know, this colic, why is it colicking? Is this cold colic or what's going on? Um, and just realizing that that's what was giving me the most joy. Um, and that's when I, I made the choice that that's really what I, really what I wanted to do. Um, and I ended up applying for that integrative internship at the university of Florida to further pursue, you know, what made me happiest. So what was your, uh, if we can go back to your, uh, equine internship for a minute, did you enjoy that? Yeah. Oh yeah. I enjoyed uh, it immensely and I learned a lot. Yeah, sorry, did I interrupt you there? 
No, no, no. So you're you're entirely in clinic, or were you able to go on? Were you on you know, field service at all, or what, how was it structured? Yeah, so I was at Marion Dupont Equine Medical Center in Virginia, and we were a large referral facility. We did not have any ambulatory capacity, so everything came to us, um, which was wonderful from a medicine standpoint because you can have your staff, your technicians, the ORs prepped. Um, everything's ready to go, and we were able to practice some really high-quality, high-caliber medicine. Um, and a lot of that was not necessarily in line with TCVM. You know, it's TCVM is excellent for chronic conditions and preventative medicine in emergencies. There's definitely stuff that you can do, but a lot of these cases were requiring pretty intensive intervention. Um, and TCVM was a wonderful component to that, but was not the the primary modality at the time, like in the hospital. So, yeah, left something to be desired for me. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what I loved. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So then you moved on to Florida. I did. I moved on to Florida. Um, and that was still, I think, both of those internships are the best choices I've ever made, I think, in my life so far, in my professional career. Um, and it's, I'm so thankful for everything that I've learned and all my mentors that I've accumulated throughout my time there. Um, moving to, to the University of Florida was a huge step um, psychologically, you know, to, to specialize. It was a specialty internship. And I knew that I was pursuing this part of life that was going to be my, my passion. It's going to be my everything. It was, it was amazing to go and to be accepted to this program too, you know, because it was a put all your eggs in the basket in the match and you cross your fingers and you hope that they pick you. <laughs> so, yeah. Did, um, did you have intern mates? I did. I had intern mates all the way around in Virginia. I had four intern mates, um, which were my complete support group. We were such a good cohort. I'm still friends with them today. Uh, and then in Virginia, um, I had, uh, resident mates. So I was the only intern in that program, but I did have a first year resident and a third year resident in the program who were, again, awesome sources of support and friendship um, and just mentorship. So it was wonderful. Can you talk about uh, what was your day-to-day like in Florida as as an intern there? Yeah. So it depended what service I was on. So part of my, part of what was special about that internship is that my time was divided half and half between working at the small animal hospital, doing rehabilitation and acupuncture, TCVM herbal medicine. And the other half of the time, I was at the equine acupuncture center in Reddick, Florida, which was actually on Chi University campus. And I was working with Dr. Shea there, Dr. Um, Hu Xing Shea, who's the founder of Chi University to see patients there from a purely TCVM perspective. Um, and it was wonderful to have the experience in both of the worlds, like one world where rehabilitation is your primary modality and you reach for TCVM for specific cases. And then working with Dr. Shea, where everything is TCVM and there's there's always a solution using that medical system. So on the day to day basis, it depended where I went. So if I was on main campus, you would know, come in, check on any inpatients and do rounds. Um, then we'd work with the students and then start seeing cases. Um, and they're pretty busy. We'd see 20 or uh, 25 to 30 cases a day um, on the rehab service. Granted, that's lots of doctors and technicians working very hard. Um, and then we'd see anywhere from five to seven cases when I was with Dr. Shea at the Equine Acupuncture Center. The When you were on the rehab service at, at the university hospital, did you any yeah. um, cross treatment with other services or was it just solely through rehab that you were able to do uh, TCVM? Yeah, there was a lot of cross-treatment. We worked with oncology really closely um, for the, their patients um, for herbal medicine, acupuncture, and frequently they you know, come in for chemo. We'd see them first type thing. 
Um, so we had a great relationship with them. Um, and then, you know, piecemeal throughout other services, people would come, you know, just into our treatment area, be like, we need such and such, or who has union buyout? And, you know, so we were interfacing with a lot of different services, which was fun as an intern to get all that experience. Um, I also had elective rotations as an intern. So I got to go to the zoo med service and I got to acupuncture gopher tortoises and uh, ducks and bats and all types of things that really tested my comparative anatomy skills. Uh, and it was just a wonderful time. Um, yeah, the, the collaboration at, at the University of Florida is, is pretty good between the services. So we benefited from that. Who ran the rehab, the rehab service then when you were there? Yeah. So when I was there, Dr. Justin Schmalberg um, ran the service. He's service chief. Um, and he sort of started that service, too, at UF about 10 years ago or maybe more by now. Um, and uh, it was lovely having that wealth of experience and knowledge. Um, as an intern to be able to have that as a, a mentor. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the other other doctors were incredible as well, but it was really cool to to meet him. And fun fact, he had also done the same internship with Dr. Shea when he was a youngin. So it was uh, kind of an interesting seeing your future a little bit working with him. Yeah, that is interesting. Were you able to um, continue any training at, at Chi while you were doing, while you were an intern? <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually did a lot of continuing hours at Chi while I was an intern. I was living, you know, half an hour from Chi campus. And so while I was there, I completed all my herbal medicine certifications. I completed my Tui Na certifications, uh, as well as my rehabilitation and my um, medical manipulation, my veterinary medical manipulation certifications. It's similar to chiropractic. And uh, yeah, so I I don't know. I think it was like 350 or 400 continuing education hours in that year. So it was a lot on top of my internship, which was, you know, many hours, but uh, totally worth it. And I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity to learn all of that and apply it all within this one year with the excellent mentorship. At the same time, it was really a star cross, if you know what I mean. It was a wonderful timing. Yeah, really kind of a unique uh, environment for you. Yeah, and saved a lot of that. saved a lot of future travel. <laughs> yes, yeah, because I live in Oregon, you know, and it's it's a six thousand mile round trip to go study at Chi, so it was definitely convenient. So, um, what did you do when your internship came to an end? Yeah, so coming to an end, I I knew that I wanted to go into practice for myself. For a while, I thought I wanted to go into academia, and it's still kind of is this alluring star in the night that I've you know, always loved academia and I love teaching. Um, but I really was ready at that point after having lived away from home for two years. And this was in the middle of COVID. So I wasn't really able to travel or see my family or, um, you know, it was, it was kind of a, an odd time to be away from home. Um, so I, I wanted to come, come back to my roots to Oregon and, and put everything that I had learned into practice. Um, so I left my internship, I moved back. And I started my integrative house call practice, Wisewood Integrative at Med. And it's been a blast. It's been everything that I thought that I wanted it to be. And it's still weird to realize that that's possible and that it's real. <laughs> and that this is, this is something that um, is sustainable as a way of, of practice, you know, to use all my knowledge and, and have good clinical results. It's, it's just so fun. <laughs> So you set up, you're doing mobile only. Um, how did you, how did you get the word out when you came back home? Yeah. So I 
originally didn't advertise much for the first year or so. Um, you know, I was just trying to, to reestablish myself in the community here. And uh, I had some friends that were veterinarians I either went to school with or have met otherwise, and they just started sending me things. And um, it's kind of just grown from there, from word of mouth. And uh, I decided I should probably do a little bit of like formal introduction. So I did go to several clinics and um, the emergency centers, bring some cookies, set up uh, meetings with either veterinarians or the practice managers, introduce myself, the services that I offer, um, and essentially what type of what types of things uh, I can do best for them. So like send me all your neurologic cases for sure. Send me anything with you know, pain, chronic pain, acute pain. Um, some of the vets in the area are very willing to send things for you know heart disease, kidney disease behavior. Um, and a lot of the other vets are still not quite on board that TCDM is effective for those modalities. So they send me their neurologic cases and I'm fine with that. You know, it's we're, uh, we're building the knowledge of TCDM and it will take a while for everyone to get there. But overall, it's it's wonderful to have um, such diverse cases and also have community support of other vets because um, it's it's really nice to have solid working relationships with referral practitioners. Oh, yeah, that's great. So do you treat any cases in clinics or is it all in the, the owner's homes? All in owner's homes. Um, I find that works best for me and the type of medicine that I do. The pets are really calm, comfortable, and uh, it's it's really pleasant. You know, I, I go to their home and for you know clients that I see routinely, they have my tea waiting for me, made for me just how I like it. And the pets are so excited and they go lay down on their acupuncture spots and they just get all excited and ready. And uh, it's such a different type of medicine than like emergency medicine. It's, it's so pleasant and quiet and uh, very calming. It's wonderful. What kind of uh, practice radius do you have? That depends. So I am not a great business person, despite having an incredible uh, business that I'm very fond of, but um, I try to keep it within about 20 to 30 miles, but uh, I will go further and I have gone much further. Um, there's not a lot of veterinarians in this area, especially as you go south or towards the coast that provide any type of these services at all. And there's a lot of need for it. Um, so I have made very long treks. Um, and again, it's, you know, the call fee goes up and it's something I tell owners. It's like, my time is still my time, but these animals need care and no one will do it. So, um, I do end up sometimes going quite far <laughs> from home base. Uh, and do you have any staff or is it just you? It's just me. Yep. I am my everything. Wow. Nice to be Good. relying on myself. If there's a mistake, I know who made it. <laughs> so. Absolutely. So yeah. I know you've had some experience uh, traveling to different veterinary schools talking about acupuncture. Can you talk about that? Yeah. For Absolutely. Yeah. It's something that I do both on my own time and also um, for Chi University. And it is so fun to see not just the world, but these other academic environments. You know, I, I have my vet school experience and being able to see how other veterinarians are being raised, you know, the communities that are supporting them uh, is, is fascinating. So I, I love going to other um, vet colleges for that reason alone, but being able to bring TCBM to students who are so interested and they maybe have not heard a lot about it or they have just a little bit of knowledge from like the internet, um, and it's, it's just fascinating being able to fill in uh, that knowledge for them and, you know, do an acupuncture demo and they can see the results. And um, it's, it's really so fulfilling. And it's one of those things where teaching was one of the reasons I had concerns about leaving academia and doing my own practice and then realizing that I actually do a lot of teaching now. So 
I, I got the best of both worlds somehow. <laughs> I'm still not sure how that happened, but it's, it's so fun. Um, and I just, I always learn so much from them, the questions that they ask and what they're thinking about. And, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Have you have any, any favorites of the schools you visited? Oh, that's so hard. Um, uh, they're all so different. I don't think I can say that there's a favorite one. Um, I've had different experiences at every one, and I always try to do something in the community as well. It's like, you know, when I was in um, Tucson, Arizona, I went hiking the Catalinas, and, you know, I try to pair something with the experience so that I always have a little a little memory trinket to take home beyond just the, what I'm doing teaching. Um, and it just, yeah, I, I don't know if I could pick, honestly. That's such a lackluster answer. Um, but really, they're they're so unique um, each, each time I go. And even if I go back to the same school a year later, it's a different group of students. There's usually a different faculty member, uh, mentor, and uh, it's a different experience every time. Yeah. I know, I know Dr. Memon and Dr. Schmalberg have published on, you know, the, the uh, prevalence of integrative education in vet schools. Has, has, yes. Have numbers changed since those papers? Is it your experience in, in going out and getting to these schools? Yeah. So in my experience, um, since those papers were published, there has been an, an increase in veterinary uh, education of TCDM modalities in schools um, and just acceptance of students, too. So whether or not the program actually offers training in it, so many more students are interested um, and are, it's, you know, TCDM is entering that sort of mainstream idea and students are receiving exposure to it earlier than they would, I think, otherwise. Um, so I, I have hope that we're going to eventually get all the schools on board here. Um, but I, I do think that there's been a, a trend towards, um, even if it's not a, a program that's offered for students, but offering acupuncture as a modality within the teaching hospital. Yeah. You've written, you've been able to, to write quite a bit and be published. Have, how have you managed starting your practice and, and getting your writing done? How do you fit that writing into your day? Yeah. You know, I wish I had like a, a magical, like, oh, look at me, I'm perfect. And I wake up at 5am and do my writing. But honestly, it's, it's kind of haphazard. So I, you know, have my clinical patients, and obviously that comes first. And then I fill my writing in sort of around everything. It's like the sand that fills in the stones. Um, and it makes a, a really good schedule. So if I have a, a downtime for an appointment, I can just work a little bit more on a chapter or, you know, it's, it's, it fits in around everything and fills it out. Um, and I, I like it that way. Um, and so it works for me, but yeah, it is, it is a lot, um, to run a practice and also, uh, contribute so much to academia in that way with the, the literary bug, if you will, but yeah, it works out. <laughs> but it, it's just, it just seems difficult to, you know, be working on your cases or thinking about the business and then all of a sudden have a little downtime and just be able to get into <laughs> that, get into that focus, you know, to work on a, on a particular paper. Yeah, no, it, it is. And I try to leave myself really good notes of like what I was thinking last time I looked at this. Um, and, you know, obviously, like I on weekends and evenings and um, other times I set set aside a time for that. And um, I my practice currently I only see patients four days a week. And so I do reserve a day during the week for both administrative stuff for business and then also for academic writing. So there there is time when I need to work on the larger blocks of text or um you know, really get into the nitty gritty of something because I do work better in larger chunks of time, but I am pretty good at using my little bits of time here and there too. I would imagine um, 
in the projects that you're working on in conjunction with Chi that their staff is probably pretty helpful with for those things as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I am so thankful for the staff at Chi. Um, they are incredible. They schedule all the stuff, you know, so I, I just I get an email being like, we have this or that and I can say yes or no, but it's all it's all set. You know, I don't have to do much um, organizing or communicating um, with the schools that I go to or with any of the labs that I teach. So it's it's really nice to have so many man hours put into it already before it even gets to me. Yeah. Now, so now that you're back on the West Coast, how often are you able to get back to Florida to, to Chi? Yeah, it depends. Uh, in the last two years, I've gone about three times to four times a year. I've been back to Florida. Um, and then uh, I usually fly around yeah, once to twice a month, um, different places to run labs or lectures um, at colleges or, or for groups. Um, so I, I'm gone quite a bit, honestly, but it, it works out really well. My clients are all really understanding and they're so supportive. And I was really nervous um, initially starting my practice with teaching so much that it'd be hard to maintain clients where they'd be upset that you can't see them. And I had all these fears about how that would work. But realistically, all the clients that I have that are good clients, they're my cheerleaders. You know, they're like, oh, you're going. I can't wait. Oh, get me a get me a trinket from wherever you're going. And um, they always want updates. And it's it's so cool that uh, they are so supportive of teaching. And it makes it so much easier to leave my clientele um, for, you know, a week or so at a time when they when I know that they understand what I'm doing and why it's important to me. That's that's really helpful when I think back when I started my practice and just the fear of being away and, you know, am I going to miss something or is somebody going to be upset with me? And so the fact that they're really supportive is, I'm sure, just just a relief. Yeah. Oh, man. And maybe I just happened out to have really good clients. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it, it's worked out, you know, so that's, that's it's good. Yeah, I definitely get that fear, you know. I had it too. So, so how many stops between uh, Pleasant Hill and, and the Chi Institute? How many... Uh, how many legs in a plane flight? Yeah, it depends. I'm super frugal. So I try to find something that um, doesn't break the bank, obviously. So I usually can do it with a single connection. Uh, the little Eugene Airport is amazing. It's about 40 minutes from my house and it's been growing. So it's it can get me pretty much to any of the big places. So, you know, whether it's Phoenix or um, Colorado or Dallas, Fort Worth or Atlanta. And then from there, I can take a flight to Gainesville. I used to fly out of Portland, which is about three hours north of me, Portland, Oregon. Um, and there's some one ways to Florida, but yeah, there's so much driving involved <laughs> on both ends. So it's I, I like the little system I figured out. I'm a world traveler now. I even got TSA pre-check. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you you laugh, but that is so that is so convenient. Oh, oh it, it's pay to play, but man, it's actually changed my life not to have to take my shoes on and off all the time. <laughs> so yeah, a little little plug for travel ease there all you have to do is be in one airport where you see the uh, conventional travelers going through that endless line and you walk straight through and it's paid for itself yeah oh yeah that's that's the truth that's the truth so is, is eugene is the airport larger do you think because of the school or you, there's a nike presence close by yeah yeah there definitely is i think the school is one of the things and eugene's been growing massively uh you know, in the last 20 years or so, the population has exploded and there's a lot more industry here, um, as well as the university, University of Oregon. So I think that that's one of the main driving factors. Um, it's not like my area of expertise, so that's just my guess. But um, it's nice that the airport's gotten a little bigger because, you know, it, there's more flights that service at more times. So it used to be you could fly out at five in the morning. That was it. 
but now there's like a 6 a.m. flight too. So it only saves you 40 minutes, but it's nice to <laughs> be able to go a little later. That is really nice. Um, all right, before we go, we should we should mention that you're going to do a, a webinar for us for CIVT coming up yes. uh, on laser yes. acupuncture. On laser acupuncture, the, the modality that's up and coming and yet so many people don't quite understand how to use it. So I'm, I'm really excited to share what I know about it and um, sort of synthesizing all of the training that I've had, both in acupuncture and in rehab and work with lasers. And I'm so excited to share it. It's going to be great. Wonderful. Well, Emily, I think this is a good spot to stop. It's been wonderful to hear your story and your varied experiences. And and uh, I'm really hopeful for uh, how your practice is going to go. And we're certainly looking forward to your webinar. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fantastic. I'm also looking forward to my webinar. So this is going to be good. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.